from here, it's uh, turn around, I'll fire this way, but uh, anybody has hearing aids or scared of loud noises, you might want to you know, cover your ears or turn them down. Poise your fire lock. Top your fire lock. Freeze it. Get fire. That's all there is to it. Hello and welcome to All Things Judicial, a podcast of the North Carolina Judicial Branch. I'm Chris Mears with the Judicial Branch Communications Office. In this special civics education episode, we visit the site of America's first decisive battlefield victory, the Battle of Morris Creek Bridge, located today at Morris Creek National Battlefield in Curie, North Carolina. The Battle of Morris Creek Bridge occurred on February 27, 1776. It ended British rule in North Carolina and provided an important boost in Patriot morale. We'll listen in as National Park Ranger Jason Howell gives Chief Justice Paul Newby a tour of the park, including a history of the battle and the live-fire demonstration of a Revolutionary War musket heard in the opening. A video of this interview is available on the NC Courts YouTube channel and at ncourts.gov. Stay with us as we keep all things judicial. Good morning, Ranger. I'm Paul Newby. I am the Chief Justice of North Carolina. My name is Jason Howell. I will be your guide today. I'm the Historic Weapons Safety Officer here at Morse Creek. Um, uh, before we get started, just so you know, uh, we'll be traveling along the trail here. Uh, stay on the trail until I ask you to get off. Um, try to stay on the trail as much as possible. We got everything here, ticks, red bugs, you name it, There, it's here. Um, so you may want to check yourself when you get home. So what is the major cause of the American Revolution? What, what one instance does most historians point to as the catalyst? An event that occurred in December of 1773, way up north in, in Massachusetts. Um, the Boston Tea, Tea Party. Party. Well, what happens after the Boston Tea Party? The British in place on the colonies, what is called the Intolerable Acts. Yeah. The army comes into Massachusetts, they take over, say, hey, nothing's happening without our approval. Uh, so the other colonies step back and they start looking at one another saying, yeah. now the, the Patriots have just, here in North Carolina, have just destroyed a government installation. So the royal governor, Josiah Martin, has no other um, alternative except to declare war on North Carolina. And he quickly writes the War Department and says, hey, you know, look, send me 7,000 regular British troops and an additional 10,000 guns, because guess what? There's people in the back country here in North Carolina that don't particularly care for the Patriots. And oh, by the way, there's a large group of Highland Scots here. I believe we can probably arm those. Um, so the night before the battle, their patriots camped here on the west bank um at some point during the night they're tipped off hey the loyalists are coming and we believe more than likely it was the duplin county sheriff um he was a go-between and what i mean by go-between is he would run over to the loyalists hey i know where the patriots are how much money you got then he ran over to the patriots hey i kind of know some information about the patriots i mean about the loyalists how much money you got um, so we believe that it's probably um, the Duplin County Sheriff that tipped them off. Either way, whether they found or heard them coming through the woods 
or they got tipped off, they will retreat across the bridge from the west bank to the east bank into the earthworks. Now keep in mind the Loyalist courier, he was here on this side. He never traveled to the east bank. So the Loyalists have no idea there are earthworks over there. So the Loyalists, however, they didn't come down here all willy-nilly like they're just going to walk in and to the Patriot encampment. They have a plan. They actually send one group of men way out around back behind the Patriot encampment to the bridge. Why? If you cut off the bridge access, you've captured the people on this side of the bridge. So they plan on going over, um, sending a group of men to block the bridge. And while the main force creeps into the front of the encampment, startles the Patriots, they get here probably about five o'clock in the morning. They thought the Patriots still be asleep. Um, but when they enter, there are there is no one here. Um, the Patriots, of course, have abandoned the encampment. There's campfires burning. There's some tents and some scattered supplies. Now, when they get here and they see this, we know from a young Highlander, a Hugh McDonald, about 13 years old, he said when they got here and they saw the scattered supplies and um, no one was here, that it, they, it felt as though just like at Cor Corbett's Ferry, 18 miles to the north, when they first encounter them, these Patriots are getting the heck out of here. Um, so they get this feeling that the Patriots are retreating again. While the main force in, moves through the encampment, they see muzzle flashes and hear, hear gunfire over near the bridge. And so now they think, hey, well, something's going over over here at the bridge. Let's see what's going on. So they move on to the bridge. We'll walk over there and talk about how that plays a part in the battle. The Patriots do, when they get here um, and they cross over into the earthworks on that side, they dismantle this bridge. They'll actually take the center section up because um, only a portion of the bridge was dismantled. They'll take the center section up and leave only the sleepers, or what they call the sleepers, or the girders that go across. And uh, they grease those with soft soap and tallow to make it difficult to cross over. Would not have wanted to fall into that water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to even in summer, so I can't imagine in February. <laughs> no. uh, well, and there's gators out there too. Yeah. Um, we've, we've actually seen gators here in the park. Wow. Um, don't see them very often. Right. Um, but they're, they're here. So yeah, the Loyalists will cross over. Uh, once they get here, they probably get about 50 men across. Um, we know at least 50, uh, maybe a, a few more. Um, and they are given the order to charge up this causeway. They're running up this causeway. You see, it's a narrow causeway. Yeah. Um, you yeah. got a deep creek here. Right. You got a swampy area over here. Yeah. And, and like I said, by all accounts, it had rain. So more than likely, there's probably water over here as well. Right. Um, so they really have nowhere to go except up this narrow causeway. So right. they've kind of make, made themselves like fish in a barrel. You know, they, they've made themselves small. And when they get here, they may be able to start making out shapes. As you can see, we got a nice high ridge above us. It's actually focusing down on us. Um, that's good if you're trying to defend something so the Patriots are in the proper position. And they get here and it's almost like they just <laughs> muzzle flashing. The whole world lights up uh. once they get to this point here. Uh. Lieutenant Colonel McLeod is struck four times with 75 caliber musket balls. Wow. Now, 
McLeod gets back to his knees and he orders his men in which direction? Forwards and across the earthworks. Wow. He knows if his men cannot silence the guns. And when I see, say guns, I mean the artillery. The artillery is the deciding advantage here. Hmm. Once he sees these artillery, he knows it's going to be tough for the loyalists to come across that bridge. So he orders his men forward. Another hmm. volley rings out. The initial charge, the Battle of Moores Creek, is probably over in about three minutes, hmm. as you've seen stated in the film. Hmm. Now, the Battle of Moores Creek's not over yet. What's happening is the men that are still surviving here, they gather themselves up and move back to the bridge. And they reform and they try to come across this bridge again. Hmm. Um, the cannons keep them from coming across. They've got the cannons, doom, 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 firing on this bridge, firing at the loyals. They refocus themselves. They gather up. They try to come across the bridge again. They actually try to come across this bridge four times that morning. Hmm. Now, that's going to take some time. Hmm. More than likely, it was about a 40 minute battle. Either way, the loyals were never coming across that bridge. There was no way they were going to take these earthworks. Got strong earthworks up here, anywhere from two to five artillery pieces. When the sun comes up the next morning, here on the ground, we find thir uh, 30 loyalists dead and about 20 or so wounded. Um, when they captured General Donald McDonald two days later, February 29th, it was a leap year. McDonald said that he was missing 85 men. So what happened to the other 35? They may have fell into the creek and drowned as they were being shot at coming across the bridge. They may have ran off into the swamps and hid or even possibly died. We do know that some went out and hid because there are reports of a couple of boils that were found much later after the battle. They've been hiding out in the swamp. So you got farmers and merchants and uh, the other folks that comprise the sure. Minutemen group. Mm. Um, All walks that, of life. They, they had been uh, drilled, but this was their first encounter, loud noises. Uh, 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 you know, I, I don't know if the bagpipes were wailing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when they cross 5.30 in the morning, it's dark, it's you know, maybe misty or right. certainly. Yeah, we, we know that they were playing bagpipes. Well, they heard the gunshot, but they knew they were about to cross because the bagpipes kicked in. And do we know how battle tested the uh, loyalists were? Yeah, the Patriots and the loyalists, they, they were pretty much um, evenly matched, if you will, man to man, M neither group probably ever really being in any type of battle, um, except unless if they were in the Battle of Alamance. So the, the, it's hard for us now, the quiet, the still of this beautiful day, to appreciate 5.30 in the morning, February the 27th, what it would have been, even though they anticipated. Uh, I'm sure they'd been up all night waiting for that moment when they actually are gonna fire their weapon. Um, hard, hard to know all the different emotions that might've been going through. Yeah, what's so important about this this three-minute battle, you know, it was here in um, February 27th, 23 miles above Wilmington. In fact, the British newspaper said it really wasn't much of anything. It was a tiff between colonists, mm. you know. But if you 
if you look at what the colonies are saying about the battle, they're saying that this is a really good thing. What this does for North Carolina is the the delegates here are the uh, the people of North Carolina, the Patriot government feels, hey, we won a battle. And when we won this battle, the Loyalists didn't get to the coast. The British Army, when they get here, they don't see the Loyalists. They decide to give up and go to South Carolina. The, the people of North Carolina effectively ended a British invasion of this colony. This is the first time that really the Americans had really done anything like that. So this is a big deal. And the people of North Carolina on April 12th, 1776, they'll meet up in Halifax and they pass the Halifax Resolves, um, basically stating that North Carolina, their delegates have the right to vote for independence. And North Carolina is the first American colony to do that. And when that happens, the other colonies are like, hey, they're, they're willing to stand up. Everybody else should be too. So that's why we're a national park. Um, it is the first decisive patriot victory of, in the in the war. It's the first decisive patriot victory. Um, this battle will allow North Carolina to seek out and vote on independence, uh, being the first American colony to do so. Hence, first in freedom on your license plates. And I, I do think it is interesting that we did have one casualty. Um, uh, uh, would the provincial Congress meeting in Halifax, would they have been as moved if we just had a decisive victory? Probably. But still, when you have a person who exemplifies uh, what Patrick Henry had said, give me liberty or give me death, you know, somebody willing to die uh, for that freedom and recognizing the cost of freedom, that, hey, it's not free and it's not just a bunch of loud noises, but people are actually going to die here. Yeah. This is a monument to the first North Carolinian to give his life for the cause of liberty. It says, here lie the remains of Private John Grady, uh, his family pronounces it Grady, uh, of Duplin County, uh, who fell bravely fighting for his country, the first martyr in the cause of freedom in North Carolina, and the only Whig killed in this battle. Uh, you know, it certainly echoes what Patrick Henry had uh, said so boldly, give me liberty or give me death. It brings reality that, hey, the cost of freedom is not free. The cost of liberty uh, may be our lives. Um, and it certainly was a reminder to uh, his fellow soldiers that a war is real, that uh, it uh, can result in uh, tragedy for individuals and yet the cause itself is more important than uh, an individual life. Uh, much like uh, it says in America, the beautiful more than self is country love. And what's inspiring is this was even before July the 4th, 1776. So we had not yet declared ourselves as a country, and yet his vision of freedom and liberty, of self-government uh, uh, caused him a farmer to come take up arms here uh, and sadly he gave his life uh, for that cause which would inspire people for the next 
uh, several years throughout the revolution to continue that fight. You've been listening to All Things Judicial, a podcast from the North Carolina Judicial Branch. You can watch a video of this tour and find out more about us by visiting nccourts.gov. If you like our podcast, please share it with a friend and give it a five-star rating and review. Your help is essential to sharing the important work we do. I'm Chris Mears with the Judicial Branch Communications Office, and I'm reminding you to keep all things judicial. Thanks for listening.